0: So if you have your bibles why don't you open with me to Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 we've been we've been trudging through the book of Philippians we've been in this series called Thrive and we we have we've been looking at What what does it mean to thrive in life? What does it mean to thrive in relationships? What does it mean to thrive through every situation or every circumstance that that we go through in life? And we come to a topic that a lot of times we don't talk about in church. I mean, if we're not careful when we talk about thrive and we're in church, and we we, we almost sound like it's kind of easy. In other words, you just do these three steps, you just do these three things, and guess what? You're going to have joy in all situations. You're going to have joy in all circumstances, and you're just going to thrive. But we know that's not true right I mean we know that that it's a little bit harder than that and so today I want to talk to you about a subject I want to talk to you about a title uh, just so we're understanding each other about the difficulty of this and that is this it takes courage to thrive it takes courage to thrive. It takes courage to believe God's word over your circumstances. It takes courage to believe God's word over your situations, your circumstances. It takes God it takes courage to believe God's word over every voice that you are you or I may have in this life. Because our culture is getting darker and darker. And so it takes courage to come to that place to where you just you just understand God's word and you appropriate it to your life. Now listen, this morning I, I I'm asking God just to do a, a deep work in, in our hearts, and our lives, as we walk through this. See, Philippians chapter 3 is a real important for, uh, chapter. It, it's really and truly, it, it was Paul's autobiography. The first 11 verses dealt and deal with, with Paul's past. And then verses 12 through 21 that we're going to look at this morning deals with the present and the future of paul and paul begins fleshing out and helping us to understand this issue and what it means to thrive now listen and and i get it and i understand you can go to barnes and nobles you can go to any bookstore and there's a lot of books on on self-help and and how to have joy and all of this other things you know the reason that i'm so leery of those books uh two reasons one is this usually the author really has no track record They may have had a track record for five years or ten years, but they really don't have a track record over a lifetime. And the other thing is this. The average self-life of a book is only 90 days. That's it, 90 days. And so I believe this. I believe that we should look at a book, the Bible, that has a shelf life of eternity to help us understand how to thrive and have the courage to thrive. So here, here's what Paul says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved uh, these things or that I've a- already reached perfection, but I press on to, perf- to pe- possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. That is a huge statement. God first possessed me, and I possessed him. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I pre- press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through G- Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. So now all of a sudden, Paul's talking about spiritual maturity, about this issue of thriving. If you'd agree, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. That's a bold statement, right? If you disagree with me right now, it's okay, because I believe God's going to make it plain to you one day that I'm right. That's what Paul's saying. Be careful how you quote that at home. <laughs> okay, let move on. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Another bold statement. And learn from those who follow our example. In other words, be in life groups, be in community. Get into community with Christians. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. And they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think... And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which, we, which he will bring everything under his control. Focus verse is this, verse 17, when Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. This morning, I want to give you four things. I want to give you four things. that, If you have the courage to thrive, if you come to that place in your life to where you say, you know what, regardless of my situation, regardless of my circumstance, I'm going to learn to thrive. The first thing is this. If you're going to have the courage to thrive, you have to come to the place where you face your imperfections. You have to come to the place in life to where you understand, you know what, I haven't arrived I don't have it all together. I have some imperfections. I have some things that I'm working on. In other words, this, you have to understand, guess what? You're not perfect. Fact is, none of us in this room are perfect, right? I mean, if we're honest, I mean, none of us in this room are perfect. None of us have arrived in this life, uh, have arrived in the spiritual life. None of us are without sin. In other words, this, what Paul says and what the Word says is this, is you have to come to the place to do an inventory of your life and you do an inventory of your life, and you start looking at the areas of your life, you know what, that you just need to improve in, that you need to grow in. I don't know about you, but I personally have my list. I personally have my list, because I've told you, sometimes it, it concerns me how quickly I can lose my joy over some superficial issues that, the end of the day, they really don't, it just doesn't matter. And I have my list, and you should have your list. Paul had his, verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And Paul's an old guy at this place and at this time in his life. He's in prison, and if anyone had the right to say I've arrived if anyone had the right to say I'm almost perfect it'd be the apostle Paul right I mean the apostle Paul changed the Roman empire he spread Christianity through the Roman empire he's in prison and he writes two-thirds of the New Testament I mean you look at Paul's life and you realize Paul had an, an incredible impact on the world and Paul was comfortable saying I haven't arrived I still have a long ways to go I don't have it all together. I mean, I mean, Paul was honest that he still needed to grow. Fact is, a key point is this. Successful people never quit growing. Successful people never quit learning, and they never quit improving. I mean, it, it, so many times Christians give the impression that, you know what, they, they they never have any problems, and they don't have any imperfections, and that they've arrived, and they're like sinless, or they're like perfect, or they have no problems, they have no doubts, and I, and people like that just give me indigestion, right? You ever been around someone and it's just like they're perfect? It's just like they've never had any doubts. It's like they've never had any sin. It's like they've never done anything wrong. Listen, I'm telling you, for me, and it, the longer that I live, the more I'm aware of my inadequacies, the more I'm aware of my imperfections the more I'm aware of just how far I have to go. And so what Paul would say, if you're going to have the courage to thrive, you've got you to gotta face your imperfections, and you got just got to understand, I'm just not perfect. And to where you take an inventory of your life, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Spiritually mature people, what Paul says, are those people that are, are transparent about their life. I mean, Paul would say that's a mark of spiritual maturity. Successful people are honest about their life and honest about their, their faults. And so the first thing is this. If you're going to thrive, you have to face your imperfections. Second thing is this, and this may, be, this may be where the rubber hits the road. This may be one of the most difficult areas that we're going to walk through this morning, and that is this. If, if you're going to thrive, you have to forget the past. And if you're going to thrive, you're going to have to come to the place and we're going to understand what it means to forget. But you're going to have to forget the past. In other words, this, you're going to have to stop being manipulated by your memories, manipulated by some of the voices in your past. You know, you know, a real danger, a real danger for my life and maybe a danger for your life is a person's words from your past, if you're not careful, if you have not healed from your past, can be more powerful than God's Word in your life. In other words, this, what someone has said about you in your past or what someone says about you, if you're not careful, can be more powerful than what God says about you. And if that is you, and if you're manipulated by those memories and you're, you're manipulated by something that has happened in your past, you will never be able to thrive. And what Paul is saying is this Paul is saying, you have got to come to that place to where you just you get over your past. You you let the past go. Paul said in verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on one thing. And I mean, that's so important. I mean, that's the that's like the 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 um the, the discipline of just concentration that I got this one thing that I'm working on forgetting that's important forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies by, ahead in other words Paul is telling us this if I'm if if I'm going to be and if you're going to be all that God wants you to be if you're going if you're going to thrive then you cannot waste your time and you cannot waste your energy on yesterday it's gone it's past listen my past is past And your past is past. And we have to come to the place to where we let it go. We let go of the hurts. We let go of the grudges. We let go of the guilt. And we we just learn to forgive. In other words, listen, if I am not forgetting the past, if the past still has power over me, then it's going to mess up my today. I mean, listen, successful people understand, spiritually mature people understand how to deal with the past and how to handle the past. That's why it's so important for every one of us to come to the place and realize, one, we're not perfect, and the other thing is we got to deal with the past. Paul, uh, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, that just a verse that God used. Fact is, it's my promise verse coming into ministry because there were some things in my past that I had to heal from. I mean, I'm telling you, these verses, this sermon this morning comes out of my past. It comes out of my life. And here, here's what Isaiah said in 43, 18 and 19. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, God, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will, I will make a way in the wilderness, in the rivers, and in the desert. I'm telling you, when you when you thrive and it takes courage to thrive is when you understand in any situation God's going to make a way and I'm going to believe what God says and I'm going to believe his word over everything else but the question is because it seems so easy right for a preacher to stand up hey forget the past just forget it so what does it mean to forget because we we know this right we know that our, our brains like log everything and our brains keep memories of everything and, is it, 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 and, and then we also know that it's really true that you really don't forget anything. So, so, so what does it mean to forget the former? So what does it mean when Paul says, I'm forgetting the past? So what, what, what does that really mean? Well, in, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, when they use the word forget or forget the former things, it was this, no longer allowing the past to affect you. It doesn't mean that we totally forget. What it means is this, that guess what? The, pa- the past no longer has any power over me. The past no longer, I mean, it like no longer affects me. In other words, this, I'm no longer manipulated by the past. I'm no longer manipulated by the hurts and the pains, the voices, the false beliefs, whatever came out of the past, I'm no longer manipulated by that. I mean, in other words, this, I meant spiritually mature people learn from the past, but they move on. Immature people don't learn from the past, and as a result of that, they're like, they're like stuck in their past. And listen, I'm telling you, your past can mess up your today if you, don't, if you don't heal from it. Because here's the crazy thing about life. We tend to forget the things we should remember, and we remember the things we should forget. Now, why is it that someone can do a thousand great things for us, but we remember the one thing they did bad? Or we remember the one thing that they did to devastate us? There, there's, there's two things, if you're serious about this and you're serious about walking through this, there's, there, there's two things you've you got to forget. There's two things that I've got to forget. And I'll give them to you real quickly, and we're going to walk back through them, but failures and hurts. You, you, first thing is this, you've you, you got to forget the failures. Man, I, I'm telling you, so many of us, so many Christians... Man, you just keep rehearsing your failures over and over and over and over, and your sins over and over, and you're rehearsing something over and over and over that the Bible has said that God has forgiven you of, that He has forgotten, that He has cast it away from Him as far as the east is to the west. You'll never meet your sins ever again. He will not treat you as your sins des- as your sins deserve all of those things i'm telling you it takes courage it takes courage to believe god's word over your hurts to believe god's god's words over your feelings i mean those 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 feelings of of self-condemnation for your mistakes and for your sins will, will like destroy you i mean paul Paul had all kinds of memories. Remember Paul before he became a Christian? Remember his life before he became a Christian? He was like killing Christians. He was doing everything he could to stop the local church. He was martyring Christians. He was killing Christians. Paul was the guy that gave approval for the killing of Stephen, the first deacon, the first martyr. I mean, Paul not only gave approval, but he held his coat while they put him to to death. I mean, Paul had to to come to the place to where he, he, the past no longer had power over him. The second thing is this, is is that you need to heal from or, or you need to, to forget about it, is, is not only your failures, but, but your hurts. I mean, Paul writes in letter after letter. I mean, he was honest about his hurts. He was honest about his pain. Listen, you should never minimize your pain. You should never deny your pain. Paul was honest about his pain. I mean, you can read letter after letter that he wrote to the church talking about his hurts and talking about his pain. I mean, have, have you ever... Have you ever been in conversation with someone, and, and you told them, or, or maybe you've said this, and uh, but, but have you ever, ever told someone, hey, that I'm going through something, and that really hurt? And then they just kind of looked at you, and it was just a cliche, or they gave you a Christian answer or whatever. So they just look at you and say, hey, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff, okay? That didn't come out of the Bible. That came out of a book by Robert Fulgram. Robert Fulgram wrote a book about that about don't sweat the small stuff, but everything is small stuff. that ever help you? No. I mean, the fact is, this last week I decided to walk through Scripture and just see if I could find a place where, where Jesus had ever told someone when they told Jesus about their hurt and their pain to where Jesus told them, hey, don't sweat, sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Never did Jesus say that. The fact is, you know what my Bible tells me? Small stuff to me is big stuff to him because he loves me and he cares for me telling you, Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, when when he was about ready to go to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and he's agonizing over what God has called him to do. He's asking the disciples, like, to pray for him, and the disciples didn't look at him and say, Jesus, get a grip. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Never. Fact is, fact is, I'll, I'll hear this every once in a while. People will make the comments, our refrigerator magnets, those Hallmark moments, <laughs> That that, that that will that, and, and people will say you know what don't worry God will never give you more than you cannot bear do you realize that's not in scripture do you realize that's a false belief uh, God promised never to give us more t- t- temptation than we could bear 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful he will not let you here you go he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape he'll make a way he'll make a way in every situation that you may be able to endure it so he promised that he wouldn't give us more temptation than we could bear but there are listen there are some things in life and if we've lived any length of time we know that there are some things in life crisis, loss, hurt, betrayal, slander, judge, what, whatever it is, that we know we can't bear. We just know it because it hurts way too bad. And it's in those moments that it pushes us into him and into God. I mean, to, to, because the only way that we can get through it is just with the the strength of god listen listen i know i know this personally to be true in my life that there's some things that i've gone through that the only way i've been able to go through it and the only way i've been able to bear it is just by the strength of god and listen man when you come to the place to where you forget the past your past no longer has has power over you but it it doesn't mean you, you you just totally forget it that's why that's why paul says new living translation he says forgetting the past In other words, it wasn't past tense. He says, I'm forgetting the past. The ESV, that's a word-for-word, exact equivalency translation. The ESV would say this. Paul would say, there's one thing I do, I forget the past. In other words, Paul didn't say there's one thing I did. In other words, it's continual. In other words, I'm just telling you, it's a process. Man, I'm telling you, listen, if you're that person that, that you're hearing these these, these, these voices uh, that, that you're stupid or you can't do it or you're always a failure, then I, can I just tell you this? You probably haven't healed from the past. And there's some voices in your life that are much stronger than God's voice. I mean, there's, there's some people that, that the past keeps them from serving God. It keeps them from running the race. Proverbs 15:4 says this, "...Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit." it is possible that someone's words in your life or maybe your words maybe your words about yourself have like crushed your spirit and when, when when god asks us to do something when god calls us to do something and we're the ones that say you know what I, there's no way i could do that can, can i just tell you that your past is still at work in your life because you're believing your past over god's word so i just want to give you and i know this is real practical but i I just really feel led just this morning just to help you is i I just want to give you a a biblical approach of how to learn to to hear 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 god's word to pay more attention to god's word than than man's words your words someone else's words to get free of the 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 past and and so it's just a it's just a biblical approach and, and i'm telling you this just it just takes courage takes courage to do this the first thing you have to do is you have to put your finger on the false belief you have to put your finger on the lies that you've been believing uh, you you have to come to that place and then you have to put your finger on on the biblical truth the biblical lies in other words this you have to take the false beliefs that you believed whether it's about yourself uh whether it's about a situation or whatever or what something someone said to you and and you've got to identify the false belief and then you've got to take a biblical truth and you've got to replace the lies in your life with the biblical truth. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, and listen, this is really a whole series, but, but, but this is why Paul said in Corinthians that you have got to learn, spiritually mature people learn to take captive every thought, and then if it doesn't line up with the cross, you get rid of it and you replace it. So let me, let me show you how I do this and I'm going to walk through a bunch of different situations with you, and I'm just going to give you Scripture. We're going to run through this quickly because I, I just want you to grab this. I want you to understand this. you can do this with Bible software. You can type a word, hope, fear, whatever it is, abandonment, and you can get these Scriptures yourself. It's just so easy in today's time with, with, with the Bible online and electronic Bibles and all of those other things. But, but let's say you're dealing with abandonment. And maybe you maybe you're abandoned, maybe you're abandoned by a mom, or maybe you're abandoned by a dad, or maybe you're betrayed, or whatever. And so maybe you're dealing with abandonment. And here's the biblical truth that you would place in that. Uh, Proverbs twenty seven, ten. My father and my father, my, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. It doesn't matter who's abandoned me. Guess what? God is ready to receive me. God is ready to receive me. Here's another one. You may feel like you know what? I'm not loved or I'm unlovable. That may be your false belief that you believe for a long time. John, th- John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe, maybe you're one of those that believe. You know what? My past is way too ugly. There's no way. I know. I know. I heard about Paul's past, but you know, my, Paul's past is like mine, or compared to my past, my past is way too ugly. Uh, Romans eight one. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and others total forgiveness you may think you know what I'm a loser I don't think I can ever change I've been told that in my past I mean people have told me that 2 Corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come you know, let's just stop right there with that verse you know what that verse says that verse says fact is, what's written in, in the margin of my old school leather Bible you cannot blame your today on yesterday. There's way too many people in our society and our culture that are still trying to blame their today on their yesterday. I mean, I'm telling you, you we, we need to be honest. And you know what? You, you may have gone through some hurts and you may have gone through some difficulties, but there's a, there's a lot of people saying because of the bad things that happened in my past, it's just the way I am. It's just who I am. It was how I was raised. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm sorry all of that happened in your, in your past and all that happened in your life. But there comes a point when every one of us has to grow up. And there comes a point where we have to grasp Scripture and we have to realize that, you know what, I cannot blame my life and I cannot blame everything on yesterday. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys watch Biggest Loser. We, we watch Biggest Loser in our house. And uh, we're big Biggest Loser fans. And so one night, it was a couple of years back, uh, one night, we're watching, Karen and I were watching Biggest Loser as we eat our ice cream. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it works out that way. It just kind of does. I don't know. It's, I guess that's the way we encourage them. And so we're eating our ice cream, and one of the trainers, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Jillian, because I remember someone screaming. Uh <laughs> and so she's screaming at a contestant, and she said, She said, She said this, th- th- which this, this originated out of scripture. She may not know that or not. But she screamed this word or this phrase, and she looked at them, and she said, nothing in your life will ever change until you run out of excuses. Sooner or later, we have to run out of excuses. Sooner or later, we have to say, you know what? I'm going to believe God's word over everything else. You may believe, you know what? There's no help for me, Je- Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You may think, you know what, I'm just a failure in life. I I cannot do anything right. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, You may feel like, you know what, you may may have been told you're you're stupid in your past. You may feel like, you know what, I'm just an idiot. I just just can never figure it out. Uh, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, you may, have, you may feel like, you know what, I'll just, I, I'll just give up. I never follow through. Uh, Psalm 54, 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Uh, you, you may be scared to do anything worthwhile in your life uh, 20, uh, and trust God. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what you may feel like? god will leave me he will abandon me just like everybody else has abandoned me in my life i think god's the same jesus said this in matthew 28:20, 20, teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you and behold i'm with you i'm with you to the ends of the the age i'm telling you I'm telling you the truth will set you free and if you'll let it and, I, and it takes courage it takes courage to come to the place and say, you know what? God's Word is going to be the authority of my life. God's Word is going to be the loudest voice of my life. Not my circumstances, not my situations, not people, not hurts, not pains, not the past. The third thing that we have to do, if, if we're going to have the courage to thrive, the third thing that we have to do, we have to come to the place and focus on the, on, on the future. We have to come to the place that we just focus on the future. Listen, let me tell you something. If all we do is is forget the past, we just got amnesia. And that's... that. <laughs> that's not helpful to anyone so it's deep listen it's way deeper than just forgetting the past but then you gotta you gotta press on you gotta look to the future paul said in thirteen fourteen. no dear brothers and sisters i have not achieved it but i focus on this one thing in other words this is my one goal forgetting forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead in other words looking forward to what lies ahead with expectancy I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus, through through Christ Jesus, is calling us. In other words, Paul's like this 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 goal oriented guy, and and Paul was this this guy that says, you know, I've cleared my mind and, and I have this one goal. I just have this one goal. Man, I I I am not going to allow the past to rule over me. I'm not going to allow those memories to memories to rule over me. I'm going to press on to the the future and so you look at paul 1 corinthians 924 this is what it's, he says he says do you not know that in, in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run so that you may obtain it in other words paul says paul's just this guy that says man we're running a race and we're running a race in the christian life and we're running a race because there's like rewards in fact is second corinthians 5 9 scripture's not going to come up on the screens but second corinthians 5 9 says paul says this is my one goal in life my one goal in life is to please god you want to thrive you want to thrive in life it takes courage and it takes coming to that place says you know what in any situation in any circumstance my overarching goal is i'm going to please god I'm going to please God. And God's voice and God's word is going to be more powerful or more influential in my life than anything else. The fourth and the last thing is this, that if we're going to thrive in life, we have to focus on the future. We have to come to the place to where we focus on the future. Verse 14, the Scripture says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. In other words, Paul says, I, man, I'm pressing on. And that that, that phrase, pressing on, it, it was an athletic term uh, in their day. It, it, w- it was this term that, that simply meant this, that a runner that ran a race, he ran a race or she ran a race in such a way that she, he or she left it out all out on the field. It's that picture of the Olympics, of so the people that are running those races, and, and when they cross the finish line, they just, like, collapse on, on, the, on the field and on the track. And that's Paul Paul is saying, This is my one goal. My one goal is to please him. And I'm going to do everything in my power just to please him. And I'm going to leave it all on the field. Acts 20, 24 says. Paul's writing, he says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, of God. Paul is saying, you know what? I'm not quitting. It takes courage to come to the place and says, you know what, no matter what, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to give up. In other words, Paul came to the place and said, regardless of what imperfections I have, regardless of the past, regardless of my hurts, I'm going to press on, and I'm not going to quit. Second Timothy 4, 7, at the end of Paul's life, he writes and he says, he says, I, I fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's not talking about salvation here. Paul's talking about reward. Salvation is a free gift. Paul's talking about rewards in, in heaven and Paul understands that we're going to spend longer in eternity in heaven than we're going to spend on this earth. And Paul is saying, You know what? I understand this life is short. And I, I'm gonna press on and I'm gonna forget the past because and I'm gonna heal from the past because life is too short to be messed up by the past. God God gives us some promises. The fact is one of the promises is is one of the first scriptures that I memorized uh in, in, in the Bible. Galatians six nine says, For in due season we'll reap. We will reap if we do not give up in other words we'll we'll reap a harvest and i'm just telling you it it takes courage it takes courage to thrive in difficult circumstances when you say you know what i'm going to press on and i'm not going to give up regardless because i know this at the due time in due season i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna reap a harvest because philippians 1 6 says and i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, he's telling us that what God started in you, he'll complete. And it takes courage. It takes courage to believe that. It takes courage not only to believe that, but to appropriate that in your life and say, you know what? What God started in me on the day of my salvation, man, he's going to complete. And because of that, his word his voice is going to be the loudest thing in my life would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes with your heads bowed and eyes closed let me just ask you what is what is god saying to you what is god saying to you as a result of this me- message a result of his word and and i know i know this is a different type of message this morning and i've asked god that god would you just do would you just do a deep work in our life and in our spirit because I I know this is an emotional topic about how important it is for us just to have the courage to trust God's word over any other word in our life because those words can be so so influential especially if they come from people in authority over us so what is God listen what is God saying to your result of this message do you just need to accept him and come to the place because it, it takes courage just say you know what i'm I'm just going to accept him and i'll ask him into my life and i'm going to press into him and i'm going to be a follower of jesus christ regardless of what this culture says maybe this morning maybe you're a believer what is god what is god saying to you you just need to understand that you know what you're not perfect none of us in this room are perfect and so you so be careful that you don't hold yourself up to some unrealistic expectations do you need to forget the past? There are some things in your past that are messing up your today. Please don't allow your today to be affected by your tomorrow or, or, your, or your yesterday. Are there some things that you just need to let go of, whether it's hurts, whether it's failures, you need to move to the point to where you know what I'm going to focus on the future and I'm not going to allow the past to affect me anymore in my life and I'm going to let go of it and I'm going to trust God with it I'm going to understand that he's forgiven me and I'm going to learn I'm just going to learn to thrive and I'm going to learn to thrive in any and every circumstance of my life what is God saying to you Because He desires to speak to you. Sometimes I think God desires to speak to us more than we desire Him to speak to us. And sometimes we don't sit still long enough just to hear from Him. So what's He saying? It's between you and Him. It's between you and Him. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I'm I'm just carrying a a burden. I just just need someone to pray for me. I, I have this prayer request and I just need someone. I need someone to pray for me. Well, we want to pray for you. We really do. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, and you don't need to be embarrassed that you need prayer, every one of us in this room needs prayer. None of us have arrived, and none of us are perfect. I need prayer. You need prayer. Apostle Paul asked for prayer all the time. So if you need prayer this morning, God... And sometimes it just takes courage just to do that, even in a safe place like this. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And if God's made it clear to you and there's a burden on your heart and that you need to respond in prayer by coming forward, then I want you to do that. You don't have to walk alone. People be walking with you. Prayer partners will be down here. They'll greet you. Would you just respond to him? After I pray, if you need prayer in any area of your life and we stand, you come as we stand. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love and we just thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you just for the power of of your name and just who you are. And Father, we thank you that that you take care of our past and could we learn just to trust you with that as we look to the future and know that we're forgiven and we're set free from that. Father, we love you. We just ask you to just pull this church closer to you that people would just respond to you in prayer and that burdens would be lifted, prayers would be answered, people would know that they have met with you. What's in our worship center and our our theater, would, would people just respond to you? Father, we love you. We look forward to see what you're going to do, for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.